Welcome. You're listening to audio from Haddington Elam Church. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged by this week's message. So this idea of lost, this this term, this this word, just want to give by definition a couple things that would be referred to lost by definition. Unable to be found or recovered. Unable to find one's way or ascertain one's whereabouts. Confused, bewildered, or helpless. Not utilized, noticed, or taken advantage of. No longer possessed or existing because of default, misfortune, or the passage of time. To be destroyed physically. No longer available or open. Insensible or impervious to a sense of shame or justice. Engrossed in, as in he was lost in his book or morally fallen. So this phrase appears a lot in the Bible, this word lost and different connotations and what it means. Jesus talks about a lost coin, a lost sheep, and a lost son. This idea of something being lost is is something we can all relate to. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for today and Just ask in the next moments as we look into your word and what you say about this. This is something that you've mentioned many times in scripture about things being lost or the joy of things being found. And I pray today that you would just speak through me, Lord, that we would just be able to receive your word with gladness. And Lord, may we just put it into practice. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So just speak to us today in the name of Jesus. Amen. All of us. The Bible says we're all like sheep that we've gone astray. All of us were once lost. So just for a moment, think about a time in your life, maybe many times in your life, depending, but maybe a time in your life where you were lost. Maybe as a child, you went to the shop and got separated from mom or you were lost or whatever that looked like in your life. Being lost is a terrible feeling. And if you've ever been lost, it can cause feelings that induce panic. The idea that you don't know where you are is frightening. Even more scary than that is that there could be unknown dangers when you are lost. For instance, if someone was lost at sea, maybe there's sharks in the water. Like being lost has extra dangers that go along with it. Today, in this modern world we live in, we have sat-navs. Most people have a sat-nav. Newer cars come with them built in. We have maps on our phone. We have multiple devices that help to keep us from being lost. I know that I've been lost with a sat-nav when it can't find the address or the street. So being lost is, is a scary feeling. When you're lost, it can be a great comfort to know that someone is looking for you. You hear stories of a search team or a rescue team when someone is lost. They don't want you to be lost, and so they search for you. And there's a comfort in that. You know, hoping or just trusting that someone is searching for you. Maybe it's been a day since you checked in last, and people will begin to search for you. They will retrace your steps. They leave no stone unturned. That is exactly what Jesus has done for us. He became human. He came to earth to search for us. 
He came to the lost and some who don't even know that they're lost. There can be some fun being lost at first when reality sets in and you don't know where you are and you don't know where you're going or how you will get home again. That can be the most frightening time of your life. And if you have ever been lost, it is very scary. And at first, I read a book one time about people that were lost and found, and they were saying at first it was fun. They found themselves lost in a city and, oh, I don't know where this street will go. I'll go where my feet take me. But then the reality sets in. Boy, this street looks quite dangerous. You know, those people over there are, are looking at me. And so at first being lost can be fun. But when reality sets in, nothing seems familiar. You are lost. And when you're lost, you want to get home. Like Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz said, there is no place like home. But Jesus said that he was going to prepare a place for us where he would take us, where we would be with him in our eternal home. So if you didn't know, that Jesus, when he was on earth, he ruffled a few feathers. The religious leaders seemed to always be the ones having the tough time because he socialized with sinners and some even called them notorious sinners. But they weren't just sinners, they were notorious sinners. Of Jesus, though, it says that he was a friend of sinners. I find that just remarkable. If you have your Bible or your tablet or your phone, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 19 today. Luke chapter 19. We're introduced, we're going to begin in verse 1, but we're introduced to one of the most notorious sinners. And this starts out, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And what I find interesting, this event that's recorded in Luke chapter 19 happened right before the triumphal entry. So we just looked at Easter last week and the triumphal entry. This is right before that. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem where he will be greeted with Hosanna and the palm leaves. And he stops in Jericho. So days before being betrayed and crucified, we see that he is searching and stopping to meet a lost man. Beginning in verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through because he was on his way to Jerusalem. Some days before he's going to be tried and arrested and all of that, he's stopping to meet this man. So Jericho was an old and important city and Jesus passed through going to Jerusalem and it seems that his only reason for stopping in Jericho was to meet with a man. Now, there was a crowd there and there was people that were gathered to see him, but he stops. He stops his procession into Jerusalem for one man. And just as a side note, we saw this in the life of Jesus time and time again. He will stop what he's doing for one person. He will talk with the woman at the well. He will go across the sea to the demoniac. We see it time and again. Even though he only had a three and a half year ministry, he wasn't in a hurry. He was perfectly in time for what he needed to do. And he would stop for one person. Verse two, and there was a man in the city there called Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. 
So he was not only a tax collector, it says he was a chief tax collector, and the Jews hated men like him. It wasn't only because they hated taxes, but because of the practice that they called tax farming, where the tax collector made profit on whatever extra he could get charging his victims. So he would go as an employee of Rome and he would collect the taxes. So if Rome said you had to pay just say 8% tax, he would charge maybe 15% tax and he would pocket the difference. So he made himself rich, exploiting and taking advantage of his own people. He was despised by the people there. And again, they didn't just call him a sinner, they called him a notorious sinner. This was one that the crowd did not like Zacchaeus. So verse three, Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and he was unable due to the crowd because he was short in stature. So he ran on ahead and he climbed up a sycamore tree in order to see him because he was about, about to pass through that way. So. Again, let's look at the context. In that culture and time, a wealthy official would not run or do something as undignified as climbing a tree. Would not do it. But curiosity had gotten the better of him. Perhaps pride and maybe wanting to stay dignified, maybe pride keeps many from coming to faith. But he sets all that aside Pride, he sets what society tells him would be normal for a wealthy official. He sets it all aside so he could see this man that is called Jesus. It makes me wonder what he had heard about Jesus that made him want to see him. He had heard something about him and he heard that he was coming that way. So he climbs this tree. I remember as a child, there was a song. Sherry would know the song. There was a song about Zacchaeus, the wee little man who climbed the sycamore tree. Warren Wearsby says this, quote, Although he thought he was seeking Jesus, it was in fact Jesus who was seeking Zacchaeus. By nature, the lost sinner does not seek the Savior. Verse 5, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up to him and said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. He called Zacchaeus by name. Jesus knew the importance of a person's name. Think about this may have been the first time that Zacchaeus had heard someone besides mom use his name in a kind way. Maybe he was could always hear whispering or grumbling and then he'd hear somebody say his name. His name was probably never used in a kind light. It says this though in John 10:3 to him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep listen to his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He calls his sheep by name, and he calls Zacchaeus by name. Verse 6, and he hurried and came down, and he received him joyfully. When the people saw this, they all began to complain, saying, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Not the approval of the crowd. They see Jesus interacting with Zacchaeus and probably facepalm. Can't believe it. 
They probably had heard of this reputation of Jesus, and when they see him interacting with Zacchaeus, some versions say they begin to groan. They grumbled. They complained. Of all people, like, oh, come on, he's going to stop and talk to this guy? There's like no way. Does Jesus, maybe Jesus doesn't know who he is or what he's done, but Jesus specifically speaks to Zacchaeus. Jesus invited himself to spend time with Zacchaeus. In fact, he says, hurry down, you're, you're making me dinner. <laughs> now, I don't know if it was then like it is now, but I'm sure Mrs. Zacchaeus was not happy that he was bringing home a guest without phoning her first. But that's just maybe how, how it is. But, but here he is spending time with Zacchaeus, the hated societal outcast. The early church was despised for its acceptance of outcasts. But the early Christians regarded this as something glorious, not something shameful. I'm so thankful that God accepts outcasts because many of us probably would be considered outcasts. Some would say they're the black sheep of the family or what have you. But this is, it says that he received Jesus with joy, with, with excitement, with gladness. And it says that all heaven rejoices over one sinner that repents. People were comfortable around Jesus. It says even the children came up to him. May we always be approachable. May people feel comfortable around us. I would pray that we would have hearts that were seeking the lost. Uh, verse 8, but Zacchaeus stopped. He's coming down the tree and he stops what he's doing and he says to the Lord, behold, Lord, half of my possessions I am giving to the poor. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I am giving back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is the son of Abraham. And here's the clincher, verse 10. For the son of man has come to seek and save that which was lost absolutely amazing. So even though Zacchaeus sought to see Jesus and he climbed this tree and he did something to see Jesus, it turns out that he was the one that was lost. And Jesus sought him. Jesus has come to seek. He has come. That was his mission to seek and save the lost. Think about this. Zacchaeus was lost to his parents lost to the religious leaders. They gave up on him. They couldn't reach him. They didn't even want to associate with him. He was lost to his community. Society didn't want to have anything to do with this guy. He was lost to whatever friends he might have had. But in a sense, he was not lost to God. As the story of his conversion unfolds, his seeking Jesus turned out to be the result of Jesus first seeking him. I know that there was a song a number of years ago that was quite popular, I Found Jesus. And it's, it's wonderful when people use that expression, oh man, I noticed a difference in your life. What happened? Oh, I found Jesus. But the truth is, we know he's not lost. We were lost and he found us because he came searching. He came seeking for us. But note this in the story that Zacchaeus was not saved because he promised to do good works. It wasn't that Jesus gave him a prerequisite he didn't say he was going to do good works. He didn't promise to do that. But he was saved because he responded in faith to Jesus' words to him. Having trusted the Savior, 
He gave evidence of his faith by promising restitution to anyone that he wronged. So under Mosaic law, if a thief voluntarily confessed their crime, if they just spoke up and, and confessed it, they had to restore what they took, add one-fifth to it, and bring a trespass offering to God. If they stole something they could not restore, they had to repay fourfold. And if caught with the item stolen, they had to pay double. So here he does not quibble over the terms of the law. He doesn't try to take the least that he can repay. He willingly paid the highest price because his heart was changed. He also gave away half of his possessions. So to that community, he made a, an impact immediately. He completely showed that his heart was changed. Just a few more verses. We'll close here in a moment. Um, in Mark chapter 2 and 16, beginning, it says, When the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, Why is he eating with tax collectors and sinners? And hearing this, Jesus said to them, which they were addressing his disciples. They didn't ask him direct here. He says, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus sat and ate comfortably with tax collectors and sinners. And in that culture, eating at the same table was a sign of friendship and relationship. Jesus sat and ate with them and showed them that he cared for them and had relationship. And here's what would be in today, it would probably be a headline in the paper, the scandal. Jesus was a friend of sinners. Of course, the sinners knew this and they responded to his love and friendship for there were many and they followed him. Jesus was the physician of the soul and it made sense for him to be with those who were sick with sin. Friends, may our hearts, as we're coming to a conclusion of this series, may our hearts be searching. May we have our ears and our spiritual ears and our spiritual eyes open, searching for the last, the least and the lost, those that maybe are societal outcasts or those who maybe wouldn't fit in. May we be searching for them. May we be just wanting to share our faith with them the good news that Jesus has. So here's a model that Zacchaeus models for us, and it can be every, to everyone on how to seek Jesus. Receive Jesus by seeking after him with real effort. He didn't stay at his office or in his house or wherever he was and say, oh, well, if Jesus wants to see me, he'll come to my door. No, it says he made an effort. He went looking climbed the tree. He took effort on it. He even put his pride aside. And it says, you will find him if you search for him. Jesus says, if you search for me with all your heart, you will be found. Receive Jesus by humbling yourself. By climbing the tree, he placed himself in a humble position, but it allowed him to meet Jesus because he didn't care what the crowd thought. Sometimes our pride keeps us back. Let's stay humble. Receive Jesus, no matter how sinful or hated that you are. It says he was overjoyed to receive him, even though he was the least likely in all Jericho. 
He recognized his need, the need of Zacchaeus, far above the way the crowd felt about him. He knew within himself he was missing something, and he didn't care what the crowd thought, and he pressed through to meet Jesus. Jesus invites you by name. We too can miss God, even though he calls us by name. Receive Jesus without delay. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Don't delay. Receive Jesus yourself. It says the Bible says you must be born again. Jesus is the name above every name. And at his name, everyone will bow. Receive him joyfully. Friends, this is good news. Cause for celebration. Lastly, Zacchaeus received Jesus with repentance and restitution. He demonstrated outwardly by his actions what had changed internally. And note that Jesus did not ask him to do any of this. There's nothing, there's no clause, there's no little asterisk for Jesus says, if you want to be my follower, you have to do this. He does this joyfully out of his own heart. He shows and demonstrates his repentance and he does something astounding. So how do we receive Jesus? The Bible says, admit that we're lost sinners and that we need a savior. All of us need a savior. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in his atoning work that he accomplished on the cross. And confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Friends, I just thank you for joining with us today. Let me, let me just pray and we'll close in a moment. Father, I thank you for this story, this story of Zacchaeus, this man who was lost, but he finds you. He finds you because you stopped in Jericho on your way to Jerusalem and you've met this man and his heart was changed and he might have been the, we don't know because the story doesn't say he could have been the greatest evangelist that Jericho's ever seen after that point. Maybe people talked for years about this change of heart and how he did something different in the community. But Lord, I thank you and I thank you that you have come searching for each of us. You search and you call for us by name. And you're searching and you don't want us to be lost. And what a comfort to know that you are searching for us. Lord, some of us who, who in life maybe don't know that we're lost, that we don't even know that we need a Savior. We don't even know that there's a way out or that there's hope. But you search for us. So I pray today that you will continue to strengthen and encourage us. Father, that if we ever feel, even if we feel lost, spiritually in that sense, if we just feel lost, we, we don't know what tomorrow will bring, I pray that we can look to you. You know us by name, you're preparing a place for us, and that we're going to be with you for all eternity. I thank you, Jesus, for coming to seek and save the lost. I thank you that you reach out to the last, the least, the lost of us to call us by name to bring us home. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening. Please tune in next week for another inspirational message. If you're in the East Lothian area, visit us online at haddingtonelamchurch.com for information about how you can join us for our weekly Sunday services.